We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about some rapid fire? I'm always down for the rapid fire. I think I think I went over my allotted segment time, so I think a little rapid fire might make up for it. We'll just I'll be short and concise. If, if anyone knows, you don't me, have to be short and concise. Let's just do it. I get long winded. <laughs> over under twenty nine and a half total touchdowns for Tyler Buckner this season. Twenty nine um, and a half is the number. So, you know, that assumes probably about two and a half a game, maybe one passing, one rushing per game. They're going to have some weaker opponents. You know, what the heck? I'm going to go with the over on this one. I think he gets there, and I only think he gets there because of his uh, ability to score touchdowns on his feet as well. I think that's going to be critical in the red zone. I think he's going to get a couple of those walk-in, you know, quarterback ones where the whole defense just doesn't account for him, and he'll go untouched. So I'm going to go over purely because I think he gets some of those running touchdowns in there. So I set this number, 29 and a half, as the over-under, just kind of like, okay, first year starting quarterback. We know he's got legs. He's probably going to get to the end zone with his legs. And that's why the number was set where it was. Because, you know, like I said, total touchdowns. That means passing and rushing. And so I set it not remembering exactly what Brandon Wimbush had done in 2017. And again, I think Tyler Buckner is going to be a better passer than Brandon Wimbush. Like, like I don't know if, if people remember, but like the next season, 2018, when the media was out there at Notre Dame Stadium and they had a net set up and Ian Book was just dropping dimes in this net, you know, just throwing to the net, throwing footballs to the net, and Brandon Wimbush, not so much. You know, he was spraying <laughs> balls all around the net. Tyler Buckner can find the net. So at least we know Tyler Buckner can hit the net. You know, it's like a point of comparison. And it's, this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to take shots at Brandon Wimbush. My point though, mobile quarterback, good arm, you know, strong arm, the whole thing. Brandon Wimbush could obviously fly. Brandon Wimbush, 30 total touchdowns in his first season as a starter in 2017. I set the over under again at 29 and a half without first looking at that number. I think that that Tyler Buckner is going to get there. I think he is good for at least a dozen rushing touchdowns. That's going to be a huge factor down in the red zone when we see that. Tyler Buckner and that running ability that he has. So, so you know, if he has 12, 
then you're talking about he needs 18 touchdown passes. And I think, you know, like, like Vince probably has Michael Mayer with like 30 touchdown catches himself this year. <laughs> so, so I've got to go over on this one. I think, I think Tyler Buckner is going to count for at least 30 touchdowns this season between rushing and passing the ball. Okay. So yesterday, Marcus Freeman, I, I had this sound bite and the sound bites not working, so I'm not going to play it. Um, Marcus Freeman said yesterday, if he wins the coin toss, he kind of went back and forth, you know, like, well, if it's this situation, this, if it's that situation, this, but if, uh, if I had to make a decision today, I would defer. So he says he would defer. Brian Kelly, of course, notoriously liked to take the football, always took the ball in the first half. What do you think about Marcus Freeman and deferring if he wins the coin toss? I am uh, I'm a big fan of the defer as well. I, I I see both sides of the coin. You know, obviously you want to get the ball, go punch someone in the mouth and score first. But, you know, that all works great until you don't score on your first possession and then it, it's completely, you know, a disadvantage at that point. You and If you're going to take the ball, the only way that it's an advantage is if you score on that first possession. So I'm always a proponent of deferring to the half. I think it's better to get the ball at halftime, uh, especially – you know, in a maybe a potential tough environment where you're down a score, the last thing you want is a team, you know, beating you by maybe one or two touchdowns, and then they get the ball again uh, to start the second half. So I'm big on a big proponent of just because of the game, you know, everything that's going on around it of, okay, we'll take the ball at halftime, you know, we'll come out of half and we'll potentially have a really good drive, uh, you know, after, you know, a good, some good adjustments at halftime. I think a lot of times you see some good offense that first possession out of the half because coaches had all halftime to make their adjustments. And then quite frankly, you know, the defensive coordinator just doesn't know what, you know, what wrinkles the offensive coordinator is going to put in until he sees it. So I like deferring to the half. Yeah. I like deferring as well. I, I, I just, no matter what happens, whether it's the first half or the second half, it is still only one possession. It is only the first possession of each half. I like the second half because there are more possibilities by knowing that you have the ball to start the second half. Now, obviously you have to be in a position at the end of the first half to potentially score and kind of double up and all that kind of stuff, but it gives you the chance that no matter what happens at the end of the first half, you can always go, well, we've got the ball to start the second half. You know, it's it's kind of a, you know, like a a reset button basically. Part of it does come down to how confident you are in your defense as well. Are you, you know, do, do you want the defense on the field? But part of it also comes down to how confident you are in your offense. I think on the road, I would rather have my defense on the field first in this kind of setting than I would want my offense on the field first, especially for a first-time starting quarterback. Now, I've heard some people say, well, get him out there as soon as possible and all those different kind of things. I would just rather put the defense out there first and then know that I have the ball to start the second half, no matter what. I completely agree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Vegas line this evening is still 17 and a half points. It continues to grow. What do you think? You know, we talked about it, or I kind of briefly touched on it earlier. I, th- I think it's pretty outrageous, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, I realize that there's a lot going into this game. Ohio State is arguably one of the best offenses in the country. Um, I, you know, I know they have the question marks on defense, which is what Notre Dame needs to take advantage of. Put it like this. If Notre Dame doesn't turn the ball over, right, and they – Establish their run game. There's no reason why they should lose by more than 10 points, in my opinion. So I, I think the line is kind of crazy. Me, myself, and I, I think I would be more <laughs> setting it at like minus nine and a half or maybe minus like 13 and a half. Um, but yeah, I, I just think Notre Dame has such a, a good game plan and they know that they need to control the ball. They know what they need to do offensively. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that this game unless there's a lot of turnovers won't really get out of hand and we won't see, you know, a, a potential 17 to 21 or more loss. But, and again, that's, you know, that going back to what we were talking earlier with Tyler Buckner, that is a question in this game, right. his accuracy, his decision-making talked about it a lot before what happens on third down, those kind of things. Is that where he can be forced to make a mistake? Can you rattle him? Will he keep his composure? All those different things. The thing with with Vegas, of course, in these point spreads is, you know, this has gone up by like what two two and a half points in the last week because the money is all going on the over, so the line keeps going up now at this point. So, you know, so they're 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 obviously taking a lot of money on this. So it's up to seventeen and a half now. Marcus Freeman told Holly Rowe from ESPN, I saw this this afternoon, he said at his press conference yesterday, hey, I'm going to have to mention that to my team. He said he mentioned it to the team, but he said it wasn't about motivating them for the game necessarily. It was because he wanted their attention in yesterday's practice. They needed to get off the week with a good practice, get started on the right foot. So he mentioned that to kind of motivate them a little bit, get under their skin a little bit to see if they could bring the intensity for practice yesterday you know so you know i i don't know jess you know I, I don't know how much you're you're motivated like when when your teams have been underdogs and and all that kind of stuff like do you play the respect do you play the disrespect card all that kind of stuff and and how much that motivates you but i you know i i just there's a complete faction of people who think 17 and a half points is completely suitable and it's all because of notre dame's past in some of these big games. I just think that season opener with all these new elements for everybody, it's a little bit of an equalizer because no matter what 
Ohio State thinks they're preparing for for Tyler Buckner, they're not going to see the same offense that Notre Dame put on the field really at any point last year. Now, you flip that around, Ohio State's got a new defensive coordinator as well, and that's going to look different. So it's like, which which one is going to be the bigger factor? I think it's going to – I've just said it all week, and I've said it for a while. I think it'll be a much closer game than this 17-and-a-half, 18 points. How would you feel if Notre Dame actually does lose by at least 18? Well, I wouldn't feel good. Um <laughs> I know immediately I wouldn't feel good either because there would be a lot of Ohio State fans in the near proximity that would you that know, that'll be chirping on you pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. Remind me when uh, things things are going bad. Uh, but you know, it, it just kind of depends really how the game unfolds. Is if if it's a game where they you know have a lot of mental errors and beat themselves, but you know still look good in those question mark areas, then yeah, you don't feel as bad. But if things, you know, aren't clicking, we see a lot of turnovers, we see indecisive Buckner or just bad reads and, you know, the defense just looking silly out there, then, yeah, I would feel bad about 18-point loss. So I just think there's different things that can factor in of how you're going to feel about it. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if if they execute well and don't turn the ball over and, you know, do exactly what their game plan said and still lose by 18, then, yeah, I would feel pretty bad. But, you know, if they beat themselves, have a lot of mental errors and, and just do very uncharacteristic things, then, uh, then yeah, I, I, I would feel pretty bad about that. <laughs> That's the key. That's the key. You know, is it mistake-ridden football? Is it a lot of turnovers? Is, is it all those kind of things? Is it just flat-out ugly? You know, that will that will change your mind and opinion on a lot of things and a lot of people in a hurry if, if you see that kind of distressing stuff. Now, again, we've only seen snippets – of practice, so we only have so much to base things on. But I just, I, I, I feel like there is such a focus that this team has every day at practice. I don't anticipate those kind of things happening. I'm not going to say that they're going to go out there and play perfect football. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I don't expect to see that kind of mistake-ridden stuff. So I mean, you lose by 18, though. After all this, all this off-season, all this hope and hype and everything else, I think it takes the sheen off a lot of things, and then all of a sudden, the next basically two months, everything is, okay, how are you going to respond? What's it going to look like by the time November 5th rolls around and you get to Clemson? You know, that's what the whole season's going to be about, you know, leading up to that point. Yeah, you know, fortunately for Ohio State and Notre Dame, best time to lose a game is game one of the season. So, you know, whatever the outcome might be, you just hope that they, you know, use it as a, as a stepping stone and really just – get better and be prepared for their other big opponent opponents that will have a lot more uh, gravity on, uh, on their, you know, situation towards the end of the season. Yep. Boy, you can tell the season's getting ready to start. We've got Ohio state fans jumping in the live chat here it's on the so YouTube weird. channel. It's like, why spend <laughs> your time in a, in a Notre Dame chat as an Ohio state friend, like fan, like it's one thing to just hop in and, you know, maybe listen and see what the other side's talking about. But like, you're exerting energy in a Notre Dame chat to specifically get into arguments with Notre Dame fans. A little weird in my opinion, but hey, what do I know? <laughs> I know. I mean, it's almost like Ohio State has Purdue complex or something, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, Purdue fans, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Don't even try to <laughs> deny it. 
Fill in the blank. Desmond Howard's college football playoff picks. Michigan, Pitt, Baylor, Texas A&M. That's blank. Obnoxiously Desmond Howard. Like, uh, Michigan, uh, I, I I don't see them doing what they did last year. You know, Ohio State's better, and I think that they kind of not got lucky, but, you know, kind of got lucky. Pitt, no chance. Baylor, no chance. And there's no way that the SEC representative is going to be Texas A&M. So I don't think any of those four teams are going to make it, to be honest with you. It's like I, I realize guys want to be a little bit different, you know, not, not just pick the same as everybody else. But you just you can't even be serious <laughs> with this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, Desmond Howard just—he's a professional analyst, but he still has—he just the bias for Michigan at a professional level is just—it's bad. Everyone talks about Kirk Herbstreet, but like, come on, Desmond Howard's by far the worst of that group of just blatant blinder—you know—biasy, in my opinion. Did you watch any of Game Day the other day? No, but I saw the clip of Lee Corso. Uh, well, the Corso thing. Look. I'm not, you know, the guy has been around for a long time and look, we all get old. I'm not going to make fun of Lee Corso. You know, we, we all get old and, and things start, ha- you know, like <laughs> you just, things start happening. Right. I, I, I at least commend ESPN for, for giving him the opportunity, you know, not just casting him off and, and punting him out into the field someplace. The bigger issue to me that made that show a tough watch was if you're going to let everyone be home, you've got to have a better, you know, because like Herb Street was talking about, oh, we've got a second and a half delay. And it's like guys kept talking over each other, you know, like they didn't know when to talk, you know, all these different things, all those kind of problems. That to me was bigger than the Corso thing. And it's like you're ESPN. You've been doing this for years. You even did some of this stuff at home for years. Like we, you know, like, during the pandemic, when we were doing our radio show and we didn't have video like this where we can see each other, it's like if we had more than two guys on, we would always know, okay, this guy's going to talk first, this guy's going to talk second, this guy's going to talk third. Boom, problem solved. And it solves like everyone trying to go, blah, 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 you know, and answer the question either like waiting or then talking over each other all the time. That made it a lot harder to watch for me than Lee. Lee Corso you know I felt I felt bad for Lee Corso and again you know I I commend him for you know for at least keeping him in there to some extent I know it's getting tougher for him though every year fill in the blank Jess UNLV's turnover slot machine on the sideline is blank is the next great you know fun thing in college football I really you know, there's the turnover chains and the turnover celebrations and all that stuff. And I admire it, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because defensive players hardly get the glory and the, you know, the love that the offensive players do. They score all the touchdowns. They make all the crazy big plays and get to have fun with all the celebrations. So I'm all in full, all for in favor of finding the new creative and innovative way uh, to celebrate a, you know, a turnover on the sidelines. So I love seeing the the, the slot machine over there. I thought it was fun. Uh, and I, I commend the the creativity you can have a slot machine on the sideline of a football field but in college baseball you can't have a sledgehammer to celebrate (laughs) you know like when when a guy is hitting home runs or you can't have props outside a dugout in college baseball 
Now, I I do think it is very unique that it's like you you get a turnover and now we're going to run over to the slot machine. It is very Vegas, you know, and it's UNLV is just off the strip out there in Vegas. Very unique. I wonder, do you think they're going to bring it with them? Like, will they haul that thing in here to Notre Dame Stadium when they come in here, do you think? I mean, you know, they haul the entire equipment truck, so I don't, you know, as long as as long as it's not a, a Notre Dame thing where they say no, you can't bring that slot machine in here. I I wouldn't I wouldn't see why not. You know, it's kind of yeah. the identity when, at that point. You, you as long as it as long as it something. as long as it fits down that visitor's tunnel, I guess. That's because right. you know Purdue's big stupid drum wouldn't fit down the tunnel last year, and everybody threw a fit about that. I've got a feeling that the slot machine is going to fit down down there so i'll be curious if we see the slot machine when unlv comes in very unique to have a turnover slot machine for yes sure. definitely last question tonight and again i was going to have some audio with this but we had some audio issues for whatever reason chris collinsworth was recently on the ringers press box podcast with brian curtis good podcast if you ever get a chance to listen to it so curtis was talking to him about you know, just being an analyst and the conversation shifted into predicting plays. And Collinsworth was like, he basically said, well, I could predict plays. You know, we all get to go to practice and you see all these things taking place at practice, but I'm not going to take advantage of the information that I get by going to these practices and then go out and predict plays. He's like, oh, you know, I've tried it maybe now and then, but, but that's not going to be my thing. I'm not going to go out there and predict plays and take advantage of the information that I get in practice. Now, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Do you feel like he's throwing a little bit of shade there, though, with, with oh, yeah, saying very, that some very some indirect stuff? shade and, you know, the new contracts came out and all that stuff. So there's actual numbers attached to people's names and all that fun stuff. But, you know, I get what he's saying. But, you know, it, it's not really so much so predicting the play. It's kind of letting – the viewer or fan know that, you know, this is kind of, you know, look here, this is, this is what you need to expect, or this is the matchup that they're trying to exploit here. And at times, yeah, it gets a little bit too much, but I, (laughs) you go to practice, but it's not like, you know, the entire, the entire playbook, right? It's, he's not going to memorize all those things at one time. So it's, it just doesn't come from one practice. It knows, it comes from knowing the game, studying the game, you know, someone who, who played, you know, we're obviously nobody's talking about Romo, talking about a guy, a quarterback that knows how to read coverages. And, you know, that's really what it is, is a lot of pre-coverage read that I think Romo will go through naturally as a quarterback and not so much more. So, you know, kind of predicting plays of just recognizing what the coverage is and then knowing what the offense is going to try to accomplish based off of that look. So, yeah. And that's the shade was obviously felt like it was at Romo. He never said Tony Romo. You know, they never talked about Tony Romo, but Tony Romo is the one who's become famous for predicting plays, even though he hasn't really done it for the last couple of years. He did it much more that first year, his first couple of years. And I I found it kind of exciting, especially as excited as he would get. He's like, oh, Jim, look up here. You know, if this happens, this is going to yeah. happen and all that different kind of stuff. You know, I thought it was a lot of fun. And like Brett Musburger and some other people were initially going, oh, Romo, he just came off the field. Just wait till he's out of the game for a few years. You know, and he, and he – he doesn't recognize it as well because the game's going to change and all these different things. And now you got Collinsworth basically saying, well, we all go to practice. You can see these things in practice. And so if you're paying attention, we could all do that, basically. Okay. All right. If you could all do it, then everyone would do I, it. I think what you said is exactly it. You're, you're talking about a quarterback 
versus a wide receiver one. Now, I'm not saying that Chris Collinsworth can't study film and, and see things, but a quarterback quarterbacks are much more well-versed. I mean, that's like Collinsworth is a great analyst, but most of the top analysts are quarterbacks because of the fact they see the whole field and just what you're talking about, the coverage they see and everything else. So I like it. I felt like it was some serious shade being thrown Same. at Romo, but Chris is getting a big fat paycheck as well, and he's still at NBC. So kumbaya, exactly. just everybody, everybody get along. And he got and his son a job too. So everyone enjoy their coins. I guess I can't talk about nepotism, right? Since, <laughs> since you're making all that bank sitting across from me right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Great stuff again tonight with all the breakdowns, Jesse. We've got. The mailbag, the midweek mailbag coming up on tomorrow's show. Vince will be back for that. So we'll answer tons of questions in the midweek mailbag tomorrow. And then coming up Wednesday, we will have the uh, opposing beat reporter from Ohio State to give us his take on the Buckeyes and rapid fire as well. Saturday countdown, IB countdown to kickoff starts at 10 o'clock Saturday morning as we lead up. To Notre Dame and Ohio State. There'll be a post-game show after the game. There'll be a show Sunday. So just tons of shows every day. Two shows a day. Seven days a week. Off and running. Especially now that the football season is here. If you're an Ohio State fan, get that Purdue complex off you. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Or a good Thank rest you. of your week. Talk to you tomorrow. We've got uh, more, of course, on Ivy Nation Sports Talk.